Well, hello, church. Well, we've been in the series now, Build and Bless, for a number of weeks. And it's a series that I've carried in my heart for us as a church as we begin this year. Build my church is the what. Use what you've been given to build my church. You've been given talents, you've been given abilities, skills, just a number of things that you've been given. Some of you have been given a past. In other words, you've had to push past some things, you've had to overcome some things, know what it is to be an overcomer. Use whatever it is that God has given you to build His church. The bless was the how. Be a blessing wherever you are, wherever you go, all of the time. And the desire, the posture of us as God's children is that we want to live lives that bless others. In other words, don't hold on to what you've been given. Give it away. Give the testimony of having overcome the pain of your past. Give it away. Give a testimony about who Jesus is. Be generous in every way, whenever you can. Be a blessing to people around your life. However, I want to remind us again today that we always need to have balance in how we approach this kind of missional lifestyle. We don't want to get lured into a faith that is based on what I do for God, but be someone who lives out of faith, our faith connected to God. And what I do for God flows out of a place of intimacy. It flows out of a place of connectedness. One of the strategies of the enemy is to get people to be so busy doing something for God that they lose sight of being with God. The picture we've used for this has been Mary and Martha, where Martha invites Jesus into her home And it's her decision that she wants to host Jesus and have Jesus come over. But she gets so busy doing all the stuff in the home, all the preparations that need to be done, that she misses out on spending quality time with Jesus. You know the story. She gets upset with her sister Mary, who instead of helping her with all the preparations, is now found sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary's posture is different to Martha's. She is captivated by Jesus and is desiring to spend time with him. The reality is that Martha often gets a hard time, but there is work to be done. Absolutely, but not at the expense of sitting at the feet of Jesus. We fulfill Martha assignments, you will have heard this, Martha assignments after we've had merry moments. But I wonder today what sitting at the feet of Jesus looks like for you. Maybe that idea of sitting at Jesus' feet is actually a complete challenge for you. Maybe you're like me, you're an, you're an active person. Even sitting here is difficult to sit still. You're active. You ask my wife, Angie, I can't sit still for very long on what she affectionately calls an active relaxer. There's no real sitting still. The idea of sitting or what I call being passive feels like a challenge for me to be able to achieve. So what might it look like for you? Well, I know it does not look like religious box ticking. God, God does not want to transactional interaction. He wants a relationship that is real and is growing, genuine, and is based on you knowing that you are a child of God, not based on works, not based on what you do for God, but as a child of God. There can often be a pressure in our lives, and I I know this to be true in mine, is to pray more. Come on, we just got to pray more. We got to read the Bible more. We got to serve more. We got to give more. And the temptation that to fulfill my Christian duty, I need to do these things in ever-increasing measure. Well, I believe that's actually man's arrangement. And it becomes very quickly people's blueprint for our faith expression. I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of encouraging people that this is what a, a deepening relationship with God looks like. 
I'm guilty of painting a picture of what is spiritual to get people activated in their faith. But we must be careful. And here's the caution I feel in my spirit. We must be cautioned that the outcomes of our faith are a deepening connection with God that in turn leads to an overflow of service to others. It's having a correct, correct priority. It's about a right order and the order really matters. Don't want to get caught building more service, more works, more things to be done and get so busy doing that it erodes our intimacy with Christ. So what does it look like to sit at the feet of Jesus? What does that look like for you? I felt like I needed to get to hours of praying every day. It was kind of like as the lead pastor, man, I, I need to pray more. I need to build my prayer muscle. I need to get to praying a few hours of day. But I felt God revealed to me that the enemy's pressure is religious activity and busyness that will damage and erode intimacy with Jesus. Things like this, I need to make sure that every year I've read through the Bible on a Bible plan. Has anyone else attempted this many times? Have you even failed at it like I have at times? What about I need to turn up to church every Sunday or I'm guilty of not being faithful? The enemy tries to apply pressure that becomes religious activity and busyness that erodes intimacy. He wants you to feel like you don't pray enough and you need to pray more. He wants to get you out of relationship and into religion. Now, none of those things are bad plans if it's God's graced pace for your life. If God's placed it upon you, if God's gifted you for it, if God's called you to it, it's great. However, for someone to pray for two hours a day, I believe God has given them a special grace to be able to pray for hours in one go. It's called the gift of intercession, and I believe it's come upon them. The Holy Spirit has given them this grace and this gift, and they're graced with an amazing prayer life. Now, some of you are incredible prayer warriors. I'm not graced with that at this point. There are seasons I pray for longer than other seasons when I feel a burden is laid on my heart. Be assured I am a pastor who prays. Some seasons more than others, but what sitting at Jesus' feet looks like for me when it comes to prayer might be different. More than sitting in a room for hours praying is to walk and talk with God. This is one of my rhythms, one of my patterns. I will go for a walk and I will talk with God and I will listen to Him. Throughout my day, it looks like talking to God and inviting Him into everything that I'm engaged in, being aware that God is with me, what I call being conscious of His presence throughout the day, being prayerful in every moment. I've talked to you many times before about attaching prayer to something you do naturally. I pray while I mow the lawns. And when I mow the lawns, I use that time as praying for my family, praying for my wife, praying for my kids, praying for my loved ones. I pray for my day to have an impact on others while I drive to work. So my 15-minute drive to the office is used for praying that I will have an impact out of my day. I pray for the church while I go on a walk. And at night before I go to sleep, I pray for the church. And there are other places where I worship and read scripture. I find natural rhythms to build my prayer life. I've learned for me as a person who likes to be active that I need to attach my prayer to what I am doing and make it natural for me. That's how I've sustained my prayer life. But my question is, what does it look like for you? Can you figure out what a good rhythm of prayer looks like for you? What could it look like so it becomes natural and real and fosters a natural relationship with God? That's not about duty. Build my church will look different for every person. 
It's not the same routine for us all. It has different expressions for each of us. We will have different rhythms, different ways of doing things. If you can build your life upon Jesus and you can live out of relationship with him in a way that works and has a natural rhythm, you will see your influence in the world around you increase. But if it becomes duty bound, it will not be sustainable. One of the great breakthroughs you can have is to define what sitting at Jesus' feet looks like for you. It'll be different for you than it is for me. How do you best engage with God? Figure that out. And duty and religious activity is broken off your life. The I want to that I talk about comes out of a loving, deepening relationship with God. I want to give comes out of an overflow of gratitude from a truth that God has blessed me with so much. It becomes worship when it's expressed out of love for God as opposed to duty or ticking the giving box. Serving God through the church is the overflow of a weak serving God and loving God. God's not looking for a church whose service is locked purely into a Sunday expression. Sunday is the overflow of a week lived on mission. Building the church is about being the church wherever you go. You are the church. Your service to God is your lifestyle. This is the blessed part. Your mentoring, your caring for others, your integrity, your love for people, your work in the community, the way you teach a class at school, the business deal that's done with generosity and total honesty, the time taken with your child to explain your decision, the hug given, showing up for someone who's going through really challenging times, being merciful, acts of service to your husband or wife or to your kids, the encouragement given, and the list goes on and on and on. And all of these things are signposts to a life that's devoted to Christ and all giving witness to a life that is marked by something different, all leading to influence in the people around about you. You naturally live in a way that gives witness to your love and gratitude for Jesus, for what He has done for you. And that will spill over out of your week into a Sunday expression whenever possible. I've learned a few things in my short time leading the church, but I've learned this, that the closer I get to Jesus, the more the desire to gather with God's people increases in my heart. Whatever you do for God, it needs to never become duty but formed as an overflow of your love for Him and the knowledge of His deep love for you. Are you catching that today? Whatever you do for Him needs to come out of the revelation that you are so loved by God, He is deeply in love with you. If you've had a bad week, your witness was not amazing. This could be true for me. Your witness was not amazing. Your decisions were not perfect. Your language was maybe a little bit colorful. You didn't make great choices. Maybe you growled at the kids. Or maybe you even kicked the dog. Are you allowed to say that? Maybe not. You are no less loved because you had a bad week and you are no less valuable to God. You're his child loved by him despite your perceived poor performance. That's the power of the relationship that Jesus fought and died for. That's the power of the resurrected Christ in your life. He paid the price because the reality is we know this, don't we? We all fall short of the glory of God. And so if you've had a bad week, you've had a bad day, you've had a bad month, it doesn't discount 
or diminish God's deep love for you as a child of God. That is the foundation of your life. That is where your security comes from and the knowledge that you are a blood-bought child of the living God and deeply loved by Him regardless of your performance or your behaviour. It's out of an overflow of intimacy that those things begin to be corrected. Thank goodness being a child of God was never based on our performance. Some of us, myself included, would be in trouble if that was true. It's not based on duty, but it's thanks to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. At our last life group gathering, uh, Ange and I with some young adults, we discussed this idea of what does real faithfulness look like? And it was just a brief conversation at the end of the night. Because a few weeks ago, I said in my message, we need to be old school in our faithfulness. So we began to discuss just in brief, that idea at our life group. What does faithfulness look like? Is faithfulness church attendance? In other words, I come to church every week. Is that, is that what faithfulness looks like in the Christian life? Well, it could be part of it. But many cannot attend now church every Sunday because of work and sport and a changing world that we live in. And the discussion was you could show up every week out of duty to the Lord and not be living that faithful to God through the rest of your week. Church attendance, in fact, in the future would not be based on duty or this perceived I should or I must be at a gathering or it's not gonna be based on a Sunday performance, but it's going to be based on engagement. Engagement with God and engagement with His mission would drive attendance. Duty will never do that. A focus on connectedness to God and being missional, not just attending church services. Attendance would be an overflow of my engagement with God. This current generation right now want a deepening sense of connection to God and connection to people and not only to have a Sunday faith. I would say that has been the search of every young adult throughout all of the generations. I don't think it's ever been different when we're in that formative part of our life expressing our own independence is this desire to have a real connectedness to God, to know that He's real, to have an experience of encounters with Him in your life and being connected to others who also love Jesus. I think that's been the pursuit of young adults throughout history. But I wanna ask this question. How can a church survive in a season like we've been in these last few years where the gathering of God's people together has actually been a real challenge? Because our faith is not determined by the Sunday gathering. It's personal. And I take ownership over my merry moments that will lead to Martha assignments. If I can't gather, I can still grow. Now, I want to say the gathering is still essential because it's God's pattern and it's God's order. We need each other and we achieve so much more together than we ever can on our own. You'll hear us say this really regularly. We are designed to be together. We are designed together as the body and we must stay connected to the body we are a part of. But we're in days where only connecting with God on a Sunday is not enough. It's not going to sustain our personal faith. We'll end up malnutrition or dehydrated spiritually and not be able to walk through the tough challenges of life. Sunday gatherings is not enough to sustain our faith. Faithfulness to God produces faithfulness to His cause, 
produces an overflow of attendance at the gathering of God's people. We are going to see a dropping away of the church attendance only kind of faith. Well, I attend church. It's not going to sustain people. In Matthew 7, we see Jesus teaching on how we build a life that will be sustained and will survive the challenges that life will throw at us. It's been used in Sunday school throughout the history for forever. And I reckon we need another Sunday school class this morning. Matthew 7, verse 24 to 28. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the stream rose up. This makes me remember the Sunday school song. And the winds blew and they beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. In this passage, we see Two buildings, two lives built on different things that Jesus is presenting for people to understand. Both houses in the ordinary every day look fine. They look stable. They look secure. You cannot see the difference between the two houses and the way they're built. But when the storms of life happen, when things begin to go wrong, when the challenges begin to come and the storms come and the winds blow and the rain comes and the torrents rise, the way the buildings have been built gets revealed. You see, Palestine was known for sudden storms that would turn sandy desert into raging torrents. And when those storms raged, only the house built on the rock was left standing. The house that was built on the sand was washed away. The house built on the rock stood in the midst of whatever storm might come. And Jesus says the wise person builds their house upon the rock and the wise person builds by hearing the words of Jesus and living them out. The use of the words, words of mine by Jesus translates to the will of the Father. So it can be translated to those who hear the will of the Father are like the wise person who builds their life upon the rock. The Father's will is that none should perish. That's the mission. But that you would know your identity as a child of God, that you would love Him and you would love others as an overflow of that. And your life would be built upon Jesus and not built upon anything else. Anything else is sinking sand. Anything else won't stand up to the storms of life. Only living in the truth of who Jesus is. This is coming back to Jesus at the center. Living from the eternal and not consumed by the earthly temporary pleasures is how we build upon the rock. I build my life on the truth that thanks to Jesus, I am eternal. And so my temporary challenges that I face in this life are simply that. They are temporary and will one day be over. Thank God for that truth. That can be true for every person on planet Earth. That's the cornerstone. That is Jesus. He is the bedrock that we build our lives upon. It's about total submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. One in a moment of surrender when our need of Jesus was revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, but sustained in continuing closeness, connectedness, and intimacy 
with God. That's how we sustain that kind of life. The building will not stand if we're pretending to have faith in Christ or we only have an intellectual relationship with Jesus or we only enjoy Jesus from time to time. It's like I was talking about before. It's got to be more than just a Sunday connection with God. It's about a daily connectedness to Him. The Bible says that kind of life is like a foolish person whose faith life will be shattered in the storms that come their way. We build our lives upon Christ and a relationship with Him that is a daily connectedness to Him. As John puts it in the Gospel of John, connected to the vine. In other words, outside of the vine, we don't survive. Jesus says we must stay connected to the, through the vine. We can't do this life disconnected from Him. If we build our lives centered on us and on our own desires, we are building upon sandy ground. And sandy ground is exposed when life gets challenging and difficult. Why have so many of you done so well during this pandemic? Because your lives are built on the rock that is Jesus. He is your foundation. He is your message. He is your only source of hope. And it's upon Him that you've built your life. Your life is secured to the cornerstone. It's not secured to anything else. It's not secured to the opinions of people or media. Now, now hear me, people can have opinions. People can talk about all kinds of things, but we don't anchor our hope to anything other than the cornerstone that is Jesus. It's not secured to the opinions of people. It's not secured to what the media say or political personalities or any argument that's happening. It's secured and anchored to Jesus and his promises. It's lived from the eternal with the knowledge that the here and now will not always be fear and it will not always be easy. Life will have challenges and the culture around us will throw up challenges of change all the time. And we won't like the challenges that we are having, but we are not anchored to any of the challenges or arguments or problems going on in the world. We are anchored to Jesus. And Jesus himself said this, in this world, you will have trouble. He does not then go on to say, but fight the trouble. No, he brings us to an eternal perspective, but fear not for I have overcome the world. He doesn't say in the midst of your trouble, fight against your trouble. He says, no, no, fear not. Remember the eternal for I have overcome the world. John 16 verse 31 to 33. Jesus in response to some things the disciples have said about now, we can just take you at your word for what you've said. He says, do you now believe? Jesus replied, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, here it is, Jesus' words, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Notice in this passage, they were to be scattered. Jesus says, a time has arrived where you're going to be scattered to your own homes. Even Jesus was going to be alone. But the revelation for Jesus, but I'm not alone, for my Father in heaven is with me, but you're going to be scattered into your homes. Does this feel familiar to the season we're in now? You're going to be scattered to isolation, scattered to your home. But in Jesus, regardless of what is happening, you have peace even during perceived trouble. It's not the first time we've had trouble or been scattered. It's happened throughout church history. But Jesus says, fear not, 
for I have overcome the world. He's saying, get your eyes off the temporary troubles of the day and fix your eyes on what Jesus has secured for you. That's to have an eternal perspective. He's overcome all the troubles of the world. Have eternal hope. Trust in God. Place your heart and life again with the perspective of eternity and trust and hope in Christ. He's saying, lift your eyes above the troubles of the day because you will have troubles ongoing. There will be troubles. But fear not, for I've overcome the world. The life anchored to Jesus puts their faith in Him, has peace during the troubles. We live in the knowledge of the eternal. That kind of life does not give way to fear. Those who build upon anything else in the storms of life, even like this COVID storm, their lives can fall apart in the here and now and lack peace. They can be full of worry because it's built on something that is temporary, and it's missing the eternal. Stay connected to Jesus. He is the cornerstone. And as you do that, your life's witness will have great influence because you carry peace in the midst of the storm. It'll be like a lighthouse to those around you who are struggling. They will see that you have a solid foundation. You are at peace. You still carry hope. You still live with joy and overflow, which gives witness to the kingdom of God. It'll be a lighthouse for people to see. And people want to know, what is this life that you're living? How do you live how you live? Your life will have increased influence. You see, we're in another difficult time right now in history. Wars happening that are horrific, innocent people being hurt, pandemics, you you name it. There's, There's all kinds of things, natural disasters, another difficult time in history. The church God's people have survived hard times in history before, and we will survive again. And I've heard people saying, you know, this is the beginning of the end. End times is upon us. And if it's true, if this is the beginning of the end, then the answer is the same as it's always been throughout history when it's felt like the beginning of the end. Build your life upon the sure foundation that is Jesus Christ. And no matter how difficult things might get, In the days ahead, you will be secure. You will still have hope. You will have the peace of God because you're built upon the rock and not upon shaky sand. You're anchored to your hope in Jesus. So build a life on Jesus. Build a life on Jesus, on Jesus, on Jesus, on Jesus, on nothing else but Him. And you will stand secure regardless of what might come today what might happen tomorrow or what we might face into the future. Let's pray together. God, we thank you today for Jesus. Thank you that as we build our lives upon Him, our cornerstone, our bedrock, we will stand secure in the midst of the storms of life. No matter what's happening today, no matter what might happen tomorrow or we might face in the future, we thank you that Jesus gives us sure footing great faith, total hope, and absolute peace in the midst of whatever might come. Lord, we thank You that we have access to merry moments that equip us for God-given Martha assignments. Thank You, Jesus, that we don't have to generate the courage or strength in and of ourselves. We just have to stay connected to the vine, connected to the source. And in You, we find strength, and in You, we find courage, and everything else we need to be able to stand secure in the days that we live. 
Thank You, Lord, that You give power to the weak. According to Isaiah 40, and You give strength to the powerless. And those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And that kind of life will be a witness to those around about us who are living with total uncertainty in the days that we find ourselves in. But Lord, we need renewed strength that's found in hope. So today I pray, Holy Spirit, that You would release right now fresh hope to every person. Just increase our hope in the midst of all the noise of this world, in the midst of everything that's bombarding our minds, that's trying to enter our hearts, arguments that are trying to draw us in, things that are trying to get us off track. I pray right now that our hope would come back to being anchored completely to Jesus. Thank You for an eternal perspective that lifts our eyes beyond the here and now, beyond the temporary and keeps us full of faith. Holy Spirit, help us to discover good rhythms and and Your grace on our lives so that we could live naturally connected to You through our prayer life, through our worship and our word life. It's not done out of duty. Lord, I pray for every person right now who maybe feels like just their time spent with You has become religious duty. I just pray You would remove the sense of I have to or I must, that Holy Spirit, You would place in I want to thanks to the relationship I have with Jesus. It's an overflow of relationship with you, not out of duty. So I pray for every person right now who's saying it feels like duty or even it's dry. I just pray, Lord, as they come back to just natural prayer, times of worship, times of gratitude, times of thanksgiving, that you would refresh that personal, intimate relationship with you. Those who are out walking and talking with you would hear your voice. God, duty, Christian duty would fall away and our works and what we produce for you and building your church and blessing people in our communities and in our lives would come as overflow of relationship. We just break the power of religion, break the power of duty, break the power of I have to and break the power of I must. And Lord, we release to people this idea of I want to. You see, whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So we bind right now any religious spirit any work of the enemy that's trying to cause people to live out of religious duty. We just bind that right now in Jesus' name. It's tiring. It's fatiguing. We break the power of that off people's lives right now in Jesus' name. And we loose, we release right now that fresh relationship. Let the love of the Father touch hearts afresh today. Let rivers of living water begin to flow through people's lives. That this would be released to them would be an I want to. I want to out of a loving relationship with God, not out of duty out of the place of knowing that I am a child of God before I ever do anything for God. I'm His child and I'm deeply loved by Him. Let that be the, the reality and revelation of people's lives right now. I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord.